I'm Larry Castle. This is Ken Brown. Thanks for joining us for episode 17 of That's a Good Question, The Church and the Pandemic. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than uh, some of the episodes we've done in the past for really for two reasons. One, we're going to really be focusing on the content from this week's blog post from Pastor Ken's blog, Church Matters. And uh, we published that yesterday, and the subject of the blog uh, is going to be what we focus on, and it is primarily directed to our congregation at our church, Community Bible Church. But we think this will be of interest to uh, all of our, our listeners, viewers. We know many of you uh, who listen are not members of our church, but you benefit and enjoy the material we provide. So we encourage you to listen in, but we just wanted to point that out at the beginning that this is going to be directed um, specifically at our congregation. It's really going to be uh, along the lines of what this week's blog post is, and that is really a letter to the congregation, an update uh, on the topic of the church and the pandemic really uh, want to talk about where we think we are with the virus and uh, the desire for of all of us to get back to some semblance of normalcy. So we encourage you all, if you haven't already, do take a look at the blog for this week, uh, but we'll be discussing uh, much of its content. So Pastor Ken, let's start off maybe by you explaining to uh, those watching and listening why now is the right time to communicate with our congregation some more on this topic. Well, as you know, we have sent out uh, eight church-wide communications about this topic over the six months that our church's ministry and everybody else's ministry has been affected by the virus. And we also started the Church Matters blog back in March to in part communicate on issues related to the virus for the benefit of our congregation and others outside our congregation. This podcast uh, has also devoted some of its episodes to that. And so we've had several ways to keep our church family informed regarding our thinking and our decisions so that everyone knows why we're doing what we're, we're doing. But all of that communication has been based on what we perceive to be the needs of the congregation. And we ascertain those needs because our leadership team has been contacting those in their shepherding groups periodically to make sure everyone is, is okay and that we're aware of any needs. And in the process of that, and just in the overall process of our interactions with church members, we get feedback about how folks are doing, not only physically, but spiritually as well. And all of that helps us answer the questions what does CBC need to do most right now to keep her, to keep uh, the church informed as we go through this really weird time? What does our leadership need to do to keep the congregation informed? And then secondly, what decisions does leadership need to make to address the needs of our congregation as we hear about them, as we learn about them in those interactions at any given point? And we have come to believe that we're now at an inflection point in dealing with the virus. And that information, that belief requires that while we continue what we've been doing, we also think we now need to also calibrate 
to address issues that arise the longer that this ordeal goes on. So it's been going on for a while. We've been trying to measure where people are in doing that. We sense that we're at an inflection point where we need to uh, do some things, make some decisions in addition to what we've already been doing. Yeah. Can, can you explain that a little bit more, Pastor Ken? What things have we been doing that will continue and then what changes uh, will need to be made to address more current needs? Well, we say in the blog where we've put the letter this week for our congregation that we've assumed that our people can deal with just about anything for a period of time. And we also say that we think our congregation can deal with more than most, frankly, for a longer period, as we just have an overall strong group of people. But even with that, even with our confidence in our congregation, the truth is all of us get weary over time. Our spiritual lives begin to be adversely affected by the semi-isolation that comes from not meeting together as we have in the past. And so we can go on reserves for a while, and for our church, I think a good while. But at some point, you start running on fumes, and we've sensed that we're that's starting to happen for some of us. Thankfully, our isolation has not been total during this time, and that's why I called it semi-isolation, because thankfully we have a great tech team led by none other than our pastor geek <laughs> here, Pastor Larry, who's made it possible for us to publish the blog, have this podcast, to do live streaming every Sunday. We broadcast over an FM transmitter as well. And all of these are new just in the last six months. So it has meant really trying to get uh, as up to speed as we possibly can uh, on the technology. And you and your team have done a great job. So I'm thankful to the Lord for that. I'm thankful to Pastor Larry and his team for making those things happen. It's helped everybody immensely, and it's going to continue to reap dividends for us into the future. But as great as all of that is, we all know it's still not the same as meeting together. And we've concluded that for many, continued lack of personal interaction is going to begin to take a, a spiritual toll. And so we've considered how we can address that in keeping with the principles that have guided us from the very beginning. So you, you've uh, said some several important things there that I think we could break down for people. Um, first of all, you said several times we. You said we say in the blog or um, we've as we've considered how we address this. Can you tell the folks who we is? Yeah, yeah. Well, our church is led by a leadership team, and there are it's an eight-member leadership team. We have four pastors. We have four deacons. And all of the communications that we have sent to the congregation on this matter have been reviewed, been discussed, been modified, and then ultimately agreed on by that leadership team. So the way it works is my title is senior pastor, and then we have three associate pastors, Pastor Rich Carrico, Pastor Bill Combs, and then yourself, Pastor Larry Castle. And the, the main difference between senior and associate in the practical outworking of how we operate. It's not one of authority. I, I have no more authority than any of the rest of our, our pastors. Rather, I've simply been designated as the one who is to, and this is the word that I use that I think captures it, I'm the one who is to primarily initiate, bring forth initiatives, kind of get stuff started, 
Now, all of our pastors can and do bring up matters that we need to discuss and implement, but it's my explicit responsibility to do that. So in the case of a, a communication like this, I will often compose a, a draft, a first draft, and then I'll run it by the other three pastors. And almost without exception, I get suggestions for changes. We discuss them. We often make them, as we did with this, this letter. And then it goes through another review by another group of godly men, our deacons. And as I mentioned, we have four of those. This letter went to them, and another change was proposed and made, and the end result is what is at the bottom of the letter. It's signed, Pastor Ken for the leadership team. So that's what I mean when I talk about we uh, doing this, we have been thinking about, and so on. I'm talking about our, our leadership team collectively. Now, what that rigorous process does uh, for our church is it insulates our church from being dominated by the mistakes of one person. Some of us know that a lot of churches are led in a domineering fashion in, uh, by one, one person primarily, uh, the, the, the senior pastor very often. But what that does is it makes the church hostage to the mistakes of that one person. I'm perfectly capable of making mistakes and being wrong. And so I not only need, I welcome and I really cherish the input of the tremendous group of guys that we have as pastors and deacon, deacons. But even with that good process, we collectively can still be wrong. So I want to make clear, as always, that folks are free to disagree. We are not. We do not see ourselves as a kind of college of cardinals handing down edicts in Rome. We understand that that's not our role. We only ask this. We only ask that those who disagree do that agreeably. And for all of the now ongoing 20 years of our church, the overwhelming number of members, I'm grateful to say, have done just that. And this is another example. With this issue, our church has behaved in that way. Good. So you said uh, you said we've concluded that for many, continued lack of personal interaction will begin to take a spiritual toll. So we've considered how we can address that in keeping with the principles that have guided us from the beginning. So, mm -hmm. so let's briefly go through that uh, those guiding principles uh, in the letter uh, we began or the blog post we began with the biblical principles. So mm -hmm. let's make sure everybody knows what those are. Yeah, good. Well, one of the biblical principles that we explain at some length in the letter is that of the gathering of God's people. And that gathering is to happen regularly. It's to happen on the Lord's Day. It's to happen on Sunday. We see the famous warning that many of you may well be familiar with, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, about not forsaking the assembly, because it's very important to the spiritual health of, of God's people. Now, in the letter, we have a number of links that you can click on to give some documentation for claims that, that we make. But one of those links in the letter is a, a really good five-minute video by Pastor Mark Dever of Capital Baptist Church in D.C., and it's on why gathering is so important for Christians. So if you go to the blog, you can then click on that link in the letter that's uh, published at the blog. But another principle from God's Word, in addition to the need to gather, is the principle of submission to the government. Now, this is where, frankly, some of those who, of us, I should say, who love the freedoms that we enjoy, 
we can become don't tread on me types for whom the S word submission is automatically offensive. <laughs> the S word. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's it shouldn't be because it's a Bible word. It's God's word that uses this. And so we need to align ourselves with that. We need to reconcile whatever we think politically. We need to reconcile ourselves to what God says. The, the problem is, this is a Bible word, and what God says in the Bible, friends, I assume we all agree, is more important than what any of us wants. And frankly, it's more important than what any, what any of us thinks we know about what the Constitution says. The Bible is above every document of human origin, and that includes the, the Constitution. And the Bible says in Romans 13, 1 through 7, it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, that Christians are to submit to the authority of the government. And this is not just government that we like or we agree with or that's nice to us, because when that was written, it was at the time of the Roman Empire and there were emperors like the madman Nero who were on the throne. And so we can say, all of us can say what we will. Take your choice of politician about Trump or about Biden or about Whitmer or McConnell or Pelosi, but we ain't seen nobody like Nero, okay? <laughs> and so and so we, in guiding us in what we have done over these last six months, we've sought to obey the Bible by cooperating with the government as it plays its proper role in protecting its citizens. Yeah, I, I want to interject there that uh, this doesn't mean, and you and I have talked about this at length, and we've mm -hmm. it's come up in some of these or in mm -hmm. some of the uh, blog posts. It doesn't mean that we agree with every decision uh, that the government has made, what the regulations necessarily they've imposed. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't speak either way to that. What we're saying is we agree that God says we submit mm -hmm. within at least some limits, right? So what, what are those limits? So there are limits. That's right. Uh, no human authority uh, has total control of what Christians do because we prioritize obeying God when the requirements of men conflict with that. And we have an mm. example of it in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles were told that they could not preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, their response was, we must obey God rather than men. And as we explain in the letter, our cooperation with the government for a good end, in this instance, the protecting of ourselves and of our neighbors, that does not, we say in the letter, cede power to the government to say that we cannot meet. Hmm. Now, we may well consider it prudent to cooperate with the government regarding how we meet, as we have done for these many months, but we reserve the right to meet for the spiritual well-being of our people, and we can exercise that if we believe it's necessary to end that uh, cooperation. So here's an example. Just uh, if there was a terror, something I assume all of us would agree on. If there were a, a terrorist group that had bombed churches and was threatening more, the government may say no church gatherings until we catch these guys. And we may decide to cooperate with that for the safety of our own people and as well our neighbors who might be harmed by any explosion. But we would also reserve the right to meet if we deem it a spiritual necessity, whether on our own grounds or perhaps meeting off-site somewhere else. Now, thankfully, in our state, in Michigan, contrary to what many have suggested over these months, the state has not 
uh, treated churches in an unfair way. Quite the contrary, they've treated us in a favorable manner, saying explicitly in all of the governor's orders that no person attending a house of worship will be fined or will be jailed. So we have wanted to cooperate, have sought to cooperate to the fullest extent possible. We still do, and we still will, in keeping with the biblical principle to submit. But we also have the responsibility to take into account the spiritual well-being of our members. And that's an important factor in how long we can forego having in-person meetings. Now, quickly, the last set of principles. We have the principles of gathering from Hebrews chapter 10 and other places. We have the principle of submission to the government from Romans 13, 1 Peter chapter 2. But then there's a last set of biblical principles that have guided us uh, on this uh, responsibility we believe we have to the community, and that is to love our neighbors by not spreading this disease, if at all possible. Jesus said there are two great commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself is the second. So we're trying to do that with the way we've handled this, but then also in being wise in the way that we're perceived by the community so that our gospel witness is not unnecessarily harmed. And in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, it says that very thing, be wise in the way you behave toward outsiders. Yeah, that's that's one I'm afraid and folks I see talking about it online, I think may not uh, weigh strongly enough. So it's it's good to remember that. Speaking of protecting ourselves and our neighbors um, from harm, can we talk about the way uh, the dangers of the virus fa- have factored into what we have done and what we're doing now? Hmm. Well, we say on, on the blog, as we've said in, in previous communications, that we take this very seriously. And in the blog, Uh, we cite the numbers of over 200,000 who have died in just six months. Six months, over 200,000 people have died. Now, you may remember that at the beginning of this, for some people even well into this whole thing, people were trying to make comparisons to the flu and all of that kind of thing. And we had given our congregation some statistics on that, that in an average flu season, that can go five or six months itself, an average flu season, 38,000 people died, 38,000. This has been over 200,000 and we are and we are still going. So we cite on the blog how serious this is, 200,000, over 200,000 in six months. Uh, and there's an estimate and a very, uh, very credible estimate made by the same organization that predicted there would be 200,000 deaths by October 1st. That same organization has predicted 400,000 deaths by the end of of this year. So uh, those who die now, we say in the letter, are overwhelmingly those who are over 65, and many of those have underlying conditions, so that young, healthy people are not at all likely to die from this. But we're still Mm -hmm. potential carriers to those who are vulnerable, and so we need to observe things like distancing and masking for that reason. I just wanted to interject there back when you were talking about the numbers. Uh, I've heard some folks um, point out that, you know, we were talking in millions before this all started and that Mm. hasn't happened. So they'll Mm. contrast that. Um, But that, you know, that was something we mentioned in our very first communication to our congregation that, you know, Lord willing, 
by taking all the measures that the government and health services have taken, we would avoid that. And uh, the danger in that is uh, it would be easy to then look back and say, um, well, see, it wasn't that bad, but we took such extraordinary measures that had a serious yes. impact. Yes, so, I, I appreciate you very much reminding of that. Yeah, very early on, way back in March, we had said that one of the concerns we have is that if we are those of us who take this seriously are successful in our efforts, then it will give fodder to those who are deniers mm -hmm. because we've been successful at making it not as bad as it could be. And indeed, it's not as bad as it could have been. There was one prediction, we mentioned it in the letter, it, anywhere between 1.6 million, 2.2 million deaths, if you do nothing. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we've done something. And so what that's done for some people is to say, well, see, it wasn't that bad. Listen, friends, with all the stuff that we've done, with all the stuff that has had to happen across the country to still have over 200,000 people die and counting mm -hmm. shows you, I think, just how serious this is. But as we said, it occurs to, we now have a good six months worth of data to see who is most vulnerable. And it is overwhelmingly those who are older, those who have underlying conditions. And so the issue of whether we're afraid to get the virus versus being a carrier who gives the virus is something that we all need to take into consideration. Uh, if you are under 65, it's very unlikely that you're gonna die, but you can still get it uh, it's our understanding that you can get it and be what's called asymptomatic, not know you have it, and thus be able to spread it to someone uh, inadvertently who is vulnerable and who may be very adversely affected. But this also uh, answers another, this idea of getting it versus giving it and being afraid of uh, giving it, answers a particularly odious suggestion from some of those uh, who make an accusation toward those of us who have been very careful about this and have been slow to regather. And they make the claim or they imply that you're just afraid, you're fearful, you're afraid to die. And here you are, of all people, as a Christian leader, why would you be afraid to die? Aren't you going to be going to heaven anyway? So you're unwilling to put yourself on the line for Christ. I mean, that's quite an accusation to make. Hear this. If I was the only person that I had to be concerned about, then I'd be fine to die tomorrow and be with the Lord. But as it turns out, I have other people to be concerned about, like my family and like the congregation that God has assigned to us. Uh, so I'm not afraid for myself. You, Pastor Larry, are the young buck in our, our group, in our, <laughs> in our group of four pastors. Uh, I'm third oldest. Pastor Larry's fourth oldest. Uh, we only have one of us, though, who is uh, of an age that is did, in that. Did you just throw vulnerable. Pastor Rich under the bus? <laughs> he's said older third. than I am. Okay. All right. Just checking that. He's second that. oldest. He's, he's, he's older than I am by about four months. So, so I'm, You're welcome, I'm Pastor Rich, for having me point that out. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and only, uh, you know, our, our retired brother, Dr. Combs, is in that age where he, he would be more susceptible to that. And so uh, it's very unlikely that if you were to get this, even if I were to get this, that we would die from it. And as I said, if it were just me, if it's just us that we're concerned about and it didn't affect anybody else, Lord, please take me home. I look forward to that. 
but we're not concerned about ourselves. We're about the concerned about those who depend on us in our families and yes, in our church. But hear this, importantly, we're concerned about giving the virus to those who did not give consent to die in our community. I mean, think about it. We could all get together as community Bible church and people who are Christians belong to the Lord, look forward to being with the Lord in eternity. We could all get together and we could say, we love the Lord. We know we're going to go to heaven and we could make a death pact and all pack in and claim that's how we show that we trust God. And if you really believe he's in control, then let's put him to the test. Just does that sound familiar at all? (laughs) Doesn't that sound like something that uh, happened in the life of Jesus? You know, hey, if you really then just cast yourself, says Satan, off of this building. Mm -hmm. And Jesus' response was, You will not put the Lord your God to the test. And so we're not going to test God by doing foolish things, by putting ourselves in harm's way. But that's the way apparently some people have been thinking about this. But even if that were the right thing to do, to just sort of throw caution to the winds and say, you know, God is sovereign, so we put ourselves in in harm's way, that's not the right thing to do. But just for sake of discussion, let's say it was, what about those who didn't sign the pact? Hmm. And those people who didn't sign the pact out in the community are not at all assured of heaven when they die. And so we have taken these precautions and will continue to take precautions, not just to protect ourselves. I'm not worried about dying with this. I don't think I will die with it. And if I did die with it, I'll be with the Lord. I'm concerned about other people who didn't sign the pact and who are more vulnerable. So our biblical principles have been the importance of gathering, the need to submit and cooperate as far as we can with the government and love for and witness to our neighbors. All right. So we are, we've talked about, we're at this inflection point then. We're taking all of these biblical principles into consideration. And where does that leave us uh, now in our situation? So to this point, we have had uh, three options for our church. We have had live stream uh, that a lot of people are taking advantage of. We have had come onto the campus, come on site, and tune into a designated FM radio station, and you can listen there, and it gives you the opportunity to to see some people. And so that's been a good option for a number of our people. And then also folks uh, can meet in person in our auditorium. But of those three, we have emphasized the first two, the live stream and the, the FM, rather than in person, in order to continue to cooperate with the government to the greatest extent possible, but also to protect our people and mostly our community so that we are not spreaders of the virus. So that's where it's been. But the spiritual toll has to be now added to those. It's not a replacement. We're not foregoing those. And those are still matters and priority matters for us. But we need to add, we believe now, Uh, to that, the spiritual toll that it takes. So it's an addition, not a a replacement. And so we're going to continue to seek to cooperate with the government as best we can. And we're going to continue to take precautions so that we do not contract and spread the virus. But instead of emphasizing the off-site options of live stream and outside FM radio, we're urging each member to decide now. Among those three, take into consideration physical safety, yes, for yourself, 
but also for those uh, that you come in, in contact with, and also spiritual well-being. We do not want to see people in our congregation spiritually suffer uh, as a result of this. And we believe we're at this inflection point where that could start to, to happen now. As I said in last Sunday's sermon, we paused our series in the book of Revelation to take a week looking at Psalm number 137, where the people of God had been taken captive into Babylon. They were away from their beloved Jerusalem and the temple. And I said last week that this virus is not an off and on switch. It definitely turned many things off for all of us and did so abruptly back in March. But it's not going to be come back the same way. And I think some of us may have that mistaken notion. You know, it went off, it's going to come back on. No, it went off. And I said last week, it's going to be more like, instead of an on switch, a, a more like a dimmer switch, where it's just going to gradually come back. So we expect a gradual return as people are ready. But all three options are available, live stream, the FM, and the in-person. And uh, we're, we've talked a lot about uh, the kinds of protocols that we should have in place. And um, I just, by the way, uh, I think I could almost hear um, a cheer from people when you, you said yeah. some of the things <laughs> you said there. We had said initially yeah. that, uh, you know, we, we encourage people, unless it's a matter of conscience, uh, to mm -hmm. choose from the other two options. And right. uh, our, our folks have been so uh, deferential about it that... Uh, yes. Some folks who I think fit into the category you're saying, where spiritual well-being is is um, a factor, still refrained because they wanted to defer and cooperate. So um, we're we're really grateful for that attitude yeah. by our folks. Yeah. Um, so even as we then do now open it up a little more freely, so folks can take more than just their conscience into yes. uh, a, as a factor, but rather their family, spiritual well-being, uh, we've got to have some protocols in place. So what are the protocols we're going to have in place? So we're asking folks uh, to continue what we've said. You know, back in July, uh, we had opened things up for a time. Some folks uh, had started to come, and we had laid out some protocols, safety protocols. And those are the same, and they're the ones that, you know, just about every organization across society is adhering to, trying to adhere to, and that is masked wearing. So we ask folks when, if you decide to come, that you wear a mask at all times except when you're seated. Uh, and unfortunately, that includes while singing. Um, so uh, wear a mask when you come in, when you exit, uh, when you're singing, when you're seated and you're listening to the message and the announcements and so on, uh, then, then you can take it off. Uh, so wear a mask. And then we are going to have every other row uh, roped off. Uh, and so we'll have some distancing that way. And then we ask you uh, yourself or with your family to leave three seats between yourself and the next person or, or family in order to have the, the distancing that's needed. And finally, after we're done, and we'll try to remind you on Sunday mornings about this, but uh, after we're done, then we'll try to take the fellowship outside. We're trying to be inside, indoors for about an hour, limit it to an hour. Uh, so the, the longer you're in, uh, from what we read, then the more dangerous it can become indoors. So we're trying to limit to an hour. When we're done, then we'll take the fellowship outside. And it's it's hard to remember all of these things, especially the fellowship part. You know, you're right there. You're so glad to see yes, each other. And, absolutely. But doing, 
Uh, I just highlight what you said there, doing each of these little things. No one of these things is a foolproof uh, guard against transmission of a virus, but all of these little things together really decrease the chance of it. So the better we can remember and be conscientious of these, uh, the more we'll be protecting each other in our community. So we'll have a hybrid then for our worship service for a while. Some people will be there in person, some will be out in the parking lot listening on FM, and then still others uh, watching online. And uh, this is going to uh, be similar for other ministries as well then, right? That's that's what we're going to try to that's what we're going to try to do over the next few weeks. You know, we've got multiple ministries as most churches do. We've got the children's ministry, we've got teens ministry, men, women, uh, and so on. Uh, so we're going to try to, with all of those, do the same kind of thing. Uh, make an in-person option available for those ministries that want that, uh, and try to make it make it happen, but not force anybody to participate in the in-person option or else miss out on the ministry altogether. I mean, that's one of the the problems when you have this gradual approach and you gradually move over time to getting back to mostly or fully in-person because you're still going to have people who are not there. Well, what what are you going to do with those folks? You don't want to leave them behind. You don't want them to not have any sort of participation, if at all possible. So for worship, we can offer some participation. We can say, if you're not here, you can watch on live stream or you can do the FM option. We want to do the same kind of thing with the other ministries. But that's easier said than done because offering two things for the same ministry uh, is, is hard to do. Uh, in the worship service, we got a whole team working on that. But, you know, if it's if it's the men's ministry, if it's the women's ministry, you know, then you've got to figure out how best you're going to do that and how you're going to get your small groups together. And, you know, are they going to be, uh, how many of them are going to be in person and how are you going to uh, have the Zoom option for that? Mm-hmm. But over the next few weeks, we're going to try to to figure that out. And uh, it's our desire, it's our goal to, with all of these ministries, have the hybrid so that people have the option of either being there for those ministries that have decided to do that uh, or to continue to participate but do it off-site. If we can't, if we can't offer both, for some ministry, for logistical reasons, then for those ministries, until we can, we'll probably have to stay online with those. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if you just say the only option we have is in person, then you're leaving that person out who can't take advantage of that. Yeah. And, you know, Pastor Ken, another uh, factor occurs to me that uh, we, we haven't really talked about, but would, would do well uh, for us to factor in if it comes down to it. And that is you know, we've, we've organized our ministries uh, in terms of core ministries, things that are mm. the most mm. uh, central to our mission, and then other things that add to it. And so uh, that principle of online uh, at the bare minimum, and then really focusing on those core ones, because it's, you know, it becomes very complicated for a community group leader to try to offer multiple options. It's a smaller group, exactly. uh, less formal organization, so, yeah, but uh, so I have no doubt our folks will be very patient as we try to figure all this out. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to just make one final comment, and that is that at the end of the letter, which is posted on the, on the blog, uh, we just say this. We now ask that each family choose which of the three options is best for them when weighing 
physical and spiritual factors. We're grateful that we can offer these and thereby we believe serve all our people well. We hope that this explanation and modification are helpful and that they will facilitate enduring this pandemic together for the remainder of its duration. Hmm. Very good. Um, well, anything else? I think we've covered the material in the uh, blog post and the letter. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I think uh, if folks will, you've listened to this, obviously, if you'll uh, take a read on that, at least the summary, if not the detail, it's a total of about four or five pages if you read the detail. But, you know, if you'll read that and you've listened to this, then you're fully informed about what we're trying to do. But I would just uh, make a plea, brothers and sisters, that uh, in, at every moment of every day, we are where we are by God's design. And let's, let's remember that and that God has things for you, each of you and me, all of us to learn through this and to grow through this. I was trying to emphasize that in the uh, sermon this, this past week. So don't see this, I said in a blog post a couple of weeks ago, don't see this as wasted time in the wilderness. Hmm. This is time God said about the 40 years sojourning in the wilderness. He said in Deuteronomy chapter eight, I had purposes for you in that. And my purposes were to, to humble you and he gave a number of other things. God always has his good purposes for what he places his people in. So let's remember that and, and, and let's move forward as wisely and as carefully as we can uh, together and then come out of the backside of this. It would be really exciting to be able to look back at this and have just a host of testimonies about what, what God did in the lives of his people, doors that he opened for ministry for his people. That's the way God works. Let's keep that in mind and we'll be able to move forward together. That's great. So we mentioned several times the blog. I'll just put uh, the name of our blog there, Church Matters Blog. And you'll be able to find that on our website, cbctrenton.com. And as well, you'll see links there to our social media and our YouTube channel. If you don't already, do follow us on Facebook and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That will ensure that you're notified anytime new content comes out. And, uh, oh, I did I put the wrong link up there? I put the text questions too, didn't I? <laughs> when I was giving our website, cvctrenton.com. There we go. Trying to be a producer and on the screen at the same time is not as simple as you think it is. Uh, so thanks again for joining us this week. And uh, for Pastor Ken and myself, we'll see you in the next episode. If you have a question you'd like us to consider, you can send that into our email address, info at cbctrenton.com, or text it to us at 97000.